This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Today I'm going to continue with Senior Pastor Don Beasley out of Dixon, Illinois. That's Turning Point City Church. And we were discussing a subject on understanding the times of change with a strategy for victory. Pastor Beasley, welcome back to the Warning Radio Program. Good morning, sir. Thank you. It's glad to be with you again. We mentioned that John 2.4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And I made a comment, do not get distracted from your assignment. Keep the main thing the main thing. Ruth was faithful in following Naomi, and she met Boaz. David was faithful in doing the mundane things of guarding the sheep, dropping off his brother's lunch, and he ended up fighting Goliath, which changed his life and the nation. Remember, seasons are instituted and determined by God for a purpose. God himself orders times and seasons of our lives. We must be wise to know when God has changed our season and follow his leading. Move with the Holy Spirit. Follow Jesus when he says, come, follow me. Do not be like Lot's wife who resisted the leading of the Lord and she turned into a pillar of salt. Now, Daniel 2.21, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes, removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God knows our next destination. Our families, profession, and ministry are in God's hands and he has commanded us to be anxious over nothing. Don't worry. God will give provision for every season and send people your way to supply the needs and the aid needed. God's abundance is in his seasons, and one can only receive God's abundance when you walk in his season. God has better plans for all of us, but we don't step into the new season one cannot realize the abundance of God's provision. We must step into that new season. Just like Lot's wife, she could have moved into another season of victory. Instead, she died. She was destroyed because she wasn't going to move into the new season. She wanted to continue in the old season. Instead, one will continue to live a life of struggle and misery when one remains insensitive to God's leading. Pastor Dunn? I think of the things that you're talking about now, you know, it's it's kind of back to the whole idea of the attributes of an eagle, you know, you've talked about or whatever. And the first, you know, there's a couple of things that you really need to pay attention to when we talk about times of change and where we're at and what's going on, because over periods of time in church groups and groups of people, I don't care who you're with, you begin to flock with people who really aren't on the same page with you. So they're not in the same category as you are you want to put it that way and so eagles you know eagles they fly alone or with their own kind yes so but we have to learn you know not everyone shares the vision or the dream that god has given you to have or whatever and so when you hang out with or flock together with people who think oh don't worry about that oh we don't need to do that this is good enough or whatever you begin to waste your time with naysayers negative people and they don't share your dreams 
and they'll actually dampen your dreams. But as to really understand the, the, the attribute of an eagle, you got to protect the dream or the vision that God has given you in your life. And you can't let anybody speak against it or tear it down because that's what ha- ends up happening is they just tear it down to the point that, that we really can't go after it. And, and then that begins to mess with the, the vision, the concentration, because eagles, eagles have laser vision. And I, I say that they have bifocal vision, like Psalms 119, 105, where it says, God's word's a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. And uh, we don't pay attention to, you know, like sometimes we just watch where our feet are. But if you, if you just watch your feet and take off walking, you'll walk in a big circle. You'll come right back to where you are again. Either you'll go left, you'll go right, doesn't matter, but you'll come right back where you are because that's just the way it, it works. But if you only look forward out there running toward a vision somewhere out there, you won't pay, you're won't you not paying attention to where your feet are. You run off the ledge and have a collision, you know. So you need bifocal vision to know where you're going, but you also got to know where you are with incredible clarity. And so that's what we have to do. The same thing with is to focus on the, see the big picture and then focus on accomplishing one thing at a time. You got to give it your effort, your time, your energy, and then you set out to achieve it. And then, you know, eagles, they, they only feed on live meat. They don't eat dead things. And so we got to be careful that we don't waste our time and energy beating dead horses. You know when to say goodbye and let go to the old philosophies and ways things were done. Keep your options open and your information has to stay current. So a lot of times, you know, there's we don't have current information on what's going on. So we have to, we have to do research and prepare ourselves so that we can keep ourselves current. So we talk about making the main thing the main thing. We better make sure that our main thing is current. It can't be something that like somebody been trying to achieve in the past and never got done. Uh, because you spend a lot of time trying to, you know, they talk about, I remember one time when I was younger, one of my mentors told me, you know, you can spend all, you can spend a lot of time trying to kick a dead horse and get it up to run. He said, the best thing to do is just take your saddle off the dead horse and find a new steed. He said, the, <laughs> the thing about that is he said, it'll be wild. But he said, I'd rather try to break a wild stallion running across the field than try to get a dead one up to even walk away. And, uh, I never, I don't, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was kind of young, and but I never forgot it because it struck me as why would you say something like that to me, you know? And so, and then you know, the, the next thing I think about is that eagles love the storm. They get excited about the challenge of the storm because they they can ride the drafts above the clouds and, and to to a safer place. And sometimes, like when we're in the storm wind right now. We get freaked out about the storm. What we really need to do is figure out how to mount up and get up above it so that we can see what we're supposed to do because the Bible says that we can mount up and, and fly up and see it, and then we can run and not grow weary and walk you know, and not faint Amen. Uh, of the things that we're doing. And then sometimes, you know, we did to test a level of commitment. Like an eagle, a female eagle will test the commitment of the male eagles to, to see who she's going to mate with. And sometimes we just allow anybody on our team, we don't test their commitment. They want to join with us or whatever. And and it ends up, you know, we, we trust the wrong people with important things and it messes up our, us going forward. And it's those are just, I think those are mistakes that are so easy to make uh, that we just, it's easy to happen and it slows us down or even stop us. And then we need to be masters at change management. 
And you think about an eagle and her nest when she, her babies are there. And so they start off with these sticks and they put thorns and they put, uh, you know, grass and then they put real soft feathers in there. And when it comes time for the eagle to leave the nest, like we don't understand this sometimes. We love our nest of comfort and we're in there. And so the mother eagle come in and she'll throw all the feathers out. Now you're just on grass, a little prickly, you know, their little bellies. And then they get a little older and they still won't get out. So she goes in and takes all the grass out. Now they're sitting on these little like, thorns. And it's really uncomfortable. And uh, so then they, they start jumping out of the nest. And if they won't jump out, she'll finally just throw them out. And then she goes down and teaches them how to fly. So sometimes in our we need to understand that God is making the our comfort uncomfortable because he's wanting us to learn how to fly in the new environment that we're in. That's right. talk about going to another level, to the next place that we're going. And we, we're praying for God to take the discomfort away. Because somehow we think that's why, because we've been taught that it's all about comfort. But the reality is not about comfort. It's about God getting us to do what he wants us to do instead of us doing the things that we want to do. And then, you know, the the last thing I think that's really important is this whole thing about the ego, you know, making this painful decision around 40 to either die or to renew. And, uh, they have to go through this deal that takes about six months for the renewal where they, they pluck off their beak because it gets a big bend in it and they pluck that beak off and a new one, it takes, you know, several weeks for a new one to grow back. And then they pluck out their talons one by one because they won't wrap around their prey and hold it. And then when that's all done, they pluck out these heavy feathers on their chest that keeps them from being able to fly really well. It takes about six months for that process. And then they live 30 more years in this like flight of the, they think it's flight of the reborn eagle. We, we know that passage that says we mount up on wings of an eagle, renew our strength. We, we say that, we don't know what that means. What that means is, is that there's there's more than one rebirth in your, in your Christian life. Amen. And so we need, these rebirths are how we get to the next level of what God wants us to do. And uh, so I think we just need to be open to some of that. So, when we talk about a strategy for victory, I think we have to be willing to go through the discomfort to move us from where we are to where God needs to get us so that we're ready for what he already has ready for us. No, that's that's exactly right, Don. I, uh, I'll go back to a couple of things you said. And I remember, you know, you used the, the cliche of a dead horse and just put it on a new horse, the saddle. Well, it, it's... Um, one apostle told me years ago, 1985, work with people. Now, if you want to train apostles, work with those that are teachable and trainable. In 10 years, you'll have a, an apostle. But if you work with a person that's not teachable and trainable, they're just stubborn, they resist, they give excuses. You got a stubborn person in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years. You haven't done anything to raise a leader because they're not teachable and trainable. They got too much, if we want to say, ungodly pride that cannot seem to be broken. Don? Right. I I remember a a prophecy one time around about that same time. It was about 85 or 6. And uh, I was in this meeting. There was this this guy. He was this flaky prophet, dude. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And he always said these weird words. I mean, one time he had this word about, King James version of the Bible. It was just ridiculous. I'm just like, oh my. God. So in that time, that guy, 
had this prophecy over me. And I didn't like it when he would pro- we had to get them together and pray and he had prophecy over me. I just was like, just go somewhere else. You know, yes. Leave me alone. And, but he came in he, and he said, he said uh, you're like a wild stallion running across the field. And he said, you're not going to be of any value anybody until you allow, until you allow someone to um, break you. And I, I, I was just like, go, go away, dude. I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. And anyway, though, but you know, sometimes the Lord, even through flaky prophets to speak to you. Yeah. And that, that wouldn't go away, you know? And then there was a process that took a couple of years where the Lord says, you need to let me break you. And I, I was like, and I'm telling you right now, that process took a few years. And I mean, cause he was talking about breaking you like you'd break a horse. And you'd take you'd take a, a horse that wasn't worth anything, and turn it into a horse that would make people wow at their training, you know. But until that horse, but you can't. When you break a horse, you can't. You break the horse, but you can't break their spirit. Right. And that 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 through that process, the Lord never he 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 encouraged my spirit to be independent, to be you know all those things, but to be completely focused on him as the master, the trainer. And so what, what does he want from me? What is he looking for me? I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And that becomes very, very important because a lot of people, like what you're talking about, there's a lot of people that have that stubbornness, even against the Lord. Yes. And they will not respond to him. And they miss so many opportunities because when he says move, they refuse to. Yeah, they stay. And a lot of those windows of opportunity are very narrow. They stay in that season of failure, Don. Okay. You know, they stay in that season by choice. They won't move out of that season because they won't listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Lot's wife had even angelic beings, yet she continued to resist. Right. Well, I think that goes back to what you're talking about there. When you, now you're moving into what I think when we talk about strategies for victory. Yes. That, to me, you know, there are many, there are lots of strategies, you know what I mean? That, you know, but the quickest, I mean, they say the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line. And so many of our strategies is a lot of roundaboutness to get there. And we're usually, well, usually most of our strategies are trying to, we are making an attempt to do it in a comfortable way. You know what I mean? Where it's more comfortable because we love our comfort. Yes, yes. And so when you look at Israel, when I and I was thinking about this when you told me about strategies for victory, I just was thinking about it, praying about it. And you look at Israel, and when they have when they would have a loose affiliation with God, okay, so they would they would say, We're God's people, but he's not our God. Yes. And that's kind of what we like to do. We want to say God's on our side rather than understand that we don't have a side. God has a side, and you're either on his side or you're not on his side. Yes, yes. And so what they would do is they would have this loose affiliation with God, and then they would begin to combine other things, other gods, religious issues, other human things or whatever, along with what they're doing. And God would warn them through faithful prophets that you've got to stop this. And they wouldn't do it, and they, then they would get in captivity. God would allow them to go into captivity. And then when they would get in captivity, they would start whining prayers of comfort. Okay? 
and the, they would say, God, we don't want to be in captivity. And they would kind of say, we're going to return to you, but they wouldn't make any real commitment to turn to you. They'd say, if you get us out of this, we'll return to you. Yes. That's, that, that's not a prayer God's going to listen to. And that's what he wouldn't do. He would either not respond to them or he would, say, he would, he would laugh at them. He'd say, I'm not listening to you. The prophets would come and say, you don't listen to me. I'm not listening to you. And then finally what would happen after they would spend so much time in their discomfort, then they would begin to have serious prayers for deliverance. And they would base those prayers on repentance for covenant breaking. And you can follow this in the scriptures. They would say, we have broken your covenant. So they would begin to read, they would begin to read the word of God. And they would say, we've broken your covenant. We're covenant breakers. And they would begin to repent for being covenant breakers. And they would make a promise to return to be covenant keepers. We promise to keep your covenant. And they weren't saying that if you'll get this out of this, they would, they would say, we're going to repent for covenant breaking and return to covenant keeping, whether we get out of this or not. And God would almost immediately deliver them out of whatever they're in and set them back in their place. And so when I think of this strategy for victory, it's, it's really, when you think about it, it's a, it's a, it's repent for breaking covenant with God and then to return to him with all of our heart. And that's the quick, that's the straight line to victory. Well, you're there are right. There many other ways along that, but that's the straight line to victory. You're right. And, and uh, you made several comments. Uh, one comment you made was they were too comfortable. They were too comfortable in their life, in their sin, in their selfishness. Uh, I remember, like you, you know, God had to break me. I had to allow him to break me before he moved me in the supernatural. And it took five years, five years uh, where I wouldn't forgive somebody. And uh, it took five years because I was so proud. But once my pride got out of the way after repenting of my sins and obeying what he told me to do, um, boom, I had my first supernatural dream. Israel, why did it take the Hebrews 400 years to get out of bondage? One reason is I believe they were too comfortable where they were at. Even though they didn't move into their prosperity, they were still comfortable. Even when they were free. Some of them murmured and complained when they were tested. Oh, we should go back to Egypt. At least we had straw and food. So people, you know, change is never easy. Most people don't like change. But if you don't move with God, you never see ultimate victory. You won't see your destiny. Don? Right. Yeah, I've, I've never, I mean, I, I understand. I, I've done a lot of work in with people and behavioral stuff and whatever. The fact of the matter is, you know, it's near 70% of people have a personality traits that are opposed to change. They like things to stay the way they are. Yeah. That's why it's so difficult for companies to make rollouts to change and whatever. It's because they got to get, they got to get that 70% of people involved in the process. Right? Change will never work. If you have seven of your 10 employees that refuse to change, I don't care how good you are. You're not changing. Uh, they, they can put the anchor on that, you know, and the same thing is true with the people of God. They're, that's the same markup on them. And so that's why the vision is so important. They have to have a reason to change and whatever to, to move forward and why we get so stuck in these things. You know, I mean, you look at Israel, you know, how many times are there like 40 years in the wilderness because they refuse to change? Totally. You know, 
Totally. You know, they, these things. But then you have in there, in that same group, you got Joshua and Caleb who said they had a different spirit, you know? Yeah. And when I think about that spirit they had, you know, you got Caleb, you know, he's 80 years old. He said, I'm ready to go take that mountain uh, that God gave me. And that mountain had giants in it. Uh, you know, and so he says, that's all right. I, I can do it. I'm stronger now than I've ever been. And that's the kind of spirit. So we, we're in this time today where, you know, we want to put all the old guys out to pastures because they're too old to these young guys. But these young guys don't have that spirit. Uh, you know, they, they're still, man, I'm just watching these, uh, the stuff that I see coming out of these places is blowing my mind. Just like, I don't know if you've just seen uh, Creflo Dollar repenting for teaching tithing. Yes. I don't know, did you see that? Yes. And I mean, you know, but I, I'm like him with all the rest of them. You're not, you're not repenting. If you he said, he made a comment. He said, if you've got, if you bought a book from me on tithing, you should burn it. I'm like, why don't you buy it back at twice the price you sold it to them for, and you burn your own book? Because you're not repenting. You're, you, you, you have the money. So now he has four or five hundred million dollars, um, and he wants to, you know, turn to the grace theology now. Everything, this and that, or whatever. But I'm just like, if you're really serious, sell those two or three airplanes you got, sell those houses you got all over the place. And you have records of the people who gave the money. Give it back to them. But he'd never do that. So he, he, this whole thing is, to me, is a sham. I mean, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing or whatever. I don't really even care. But the fact of the matter is, that's not repentance. And the problem is, we don't know how to repent because we haven't taught people how to repent. You repent by undoing what you've done. Because there's a part of repentance where you have to pay restitution. So if I steal from you, my heart in repentance should be, I want to give it back to you. Now, you can forgive me for it if you want to, but you don't have to. So you can forgive me for having a grudge against me if I give back to you. You may not ever really ever trust me again, but if I took from you, I should give back to you what I took from you. That, that was what was in the Old Testament, how they did it. And so when you treat your neighbor as yourself, if, if you stole $5,000 from me, I want you to give my $5,000 back. I don't want you to come and tell me I'm sorry I already took it or why you needed it. You know, uh, if you want to have a, a restored relationship or a friendship, and we don't, we don't talk about that stuff anymore because we've removed this whole concept of repentance out of the gospel. Now we have conversions, yeah, not repentance. And the whole thing is about how many butts you can put in the seat, how we don't offend people. But I'm telling you right now, when I read the Bible, I love God with all my heart. It's still offensive. That's the only uh, way for victory, Don. We talked about uh, eagles uh, saving nations, the attributes, and there, you know, there was ten basically: faithfulness, two focus, three excellent vision, four eagles are bold, courageous, and fearless, five nurturing, uh, six discernment, tenacious, determined, uh, seven resilient, eight eagles, like you mentioned, don't eat dead prey. Ten was eagles test relationship. Nine, you made a point on this. Eagles know their identity. In other words, eagles fly with eagles. They don't fly with sparrows, chickens, turkeys, crows, pigeons, ravens, or other smaller birds. The Bible tells us that who one hangs out with is who one becomes. We want to become true eagles, leaders, people who do not get discouraged with the circumstances around us or the negative talk and lies being spoken by traitors in government and media, etc. 
We don't want to follow or be influenced by negative, misled, ignorant, rebellious, or treasonous people. We want to have the courage to lead, to speak, to be calm and calculative in making decisions, to win the fight we find ourselves in, and to salvage our nation, save our families, friends, from certain slavery. We as spiritual eagles know who we are in Jesus Christ, how to use our weapons we possess through the Word and the Holy Spirit. Stay away from faithless, narrow-minded people who bring you down instead of building you up to accomplish the vision. Closing comments, Don? Amen. That's true. I think, you know, the last thing I think I would say is this, is that we have to leave room for what the Holy Spirit does. And when you come to the place of repenting and you get before the Lord, uh, you you get to the place where it it becomes very tiring and you're wiped out from it. But there's times of refreshing, and that's where you need these spirit baptisms over every time the, the apostles, you know, they got out, they prayed, God gave them wisdom, they preached with more boldness. And we need to have the baptism of this moment of the Holy Spirit to give us times of refreshing in the Holy Spirit so that we can enter this battle new and fresh uh, in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you've been listening to the warning the radio program, special guest Apostle Don Beasley. Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. If you're in that area, attend his church. Uh, I'll tell you what, he's a great leader. Calling all warriors. Again, Eagle Saving Nations. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org. That's www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. Everybody understands America is in crisis and needs another great awakening if it is to survive. The vision and mission of Eagle Saving Nations is to wake up the Christians of the seriousness of the hour, hold revival meetings across the world, fill stadiums, conferences, churches, focused on training, strategy, exhortation, worship, preaching, and allowing the glory of God to manifest with people being baptized in the Holy Ghost and others constantly overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We want them to leave these meetings encouraged, refreshed, and strengthened with power and authority to accomplish confronting the evil forces that are trying to enslave God's people and their nation. We want true ambassadors of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want true warriors. We don't want a neutered, dysfunctional church that is afraid of its own shadow. A white eagle. Again, go on my website. Click on Eagle Saving Nations at White Eagle. People say, what can I do? Well, if you have the resources, it's $220 a month. Bald Eagle, $22 a month. And a Gold Eagle, $50 a year. Everyone can do something. What can I do to stop losing America, to stop this insanity? You can do this. So we can raise up an army of believers filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing who they are and how to use their weapons and see another great awakening crossing the United States and leading around the world. Again, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. May God richly bless you. Please subscribe to Eagles Saving Nations today. I'll see you tomorrow.